Welcome to the Simply Cyber Podcast, a podcast singularly focused on helping you make and take a cybersecurity career further, faster. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Osier, and every week, Simply Cyber brings industry experts in for honest conversations around breaking into the field, leveling up your career, and how to develop practical skills. Enjoy the show, and be sure to check out Simply Cyber on YouTube for much more content. Now let's get into the show. And, you know, the audience spoke and I listened and we got them back on the show. So if you're interested in covert ops, clandestine, dark web, blockchain, or insider threat, you guys are going to be in for a treat. Just buckle up, get ready. We're going to bring them on. It's a fireside chat, which means it's free flowing. You bring the questions. I, you know, facilitate and drive it. And of course, we're going to have our five question segment with all new buzzers. I hope you're as excited as I am. Let's get into it. All right, Charles, what's up, man? How you doing? I am outstanding. How are you getting along? Oh, I'm all right. I'm all right. So, you know, for those of you who who weren't there at the first one, I saw some of you in chat. Um, you know, Charles came in and just ripped it up as far as uh, cryptocurrency and blockchain. Spent some time in the CIA uh, around money laundering and understanding going from hard currency to digital currency. So that's where that was. But this week's episode or this this fireside chat I really wanted to start exploring some of that dark web stuff, Charles, that you were mentioning. So, you know, so many of us, you know, hopefully people in chat have seen this, uh, this infographic or whatever, this, this picture where it's a giant iceberg and the tip is the Internet, the known Internet, the, you know, Googled Internet or whatever. And then you look at um, you look at the, the graphic and the bottom of the iceberg is the dark web, right? This ominous dark web situation. So. Like, what is that? Is that is that real or is that just FUD, like fear, uncertainty and doubt kind of driving us to be aware of the boogeyman or what's going on with that, Charles? You know, I think a lot of people talk about the dark web. Uh, I think one of the things that's really interesting is if you ask, okay, by show of hands, how many people have actually been on the dark web? How many people have taken the step to download Tor or whatever you need and got on the dark web? Uh, Mm -hmm. And it's it's an infinitesimally small percentage of of people. So one, two. I think that, and I'm very familiar with that chart that you've shown, that iceberg that just has the very tip being the open internet. I've seen that chart presented a couple of different ways. What I think it is, uh, there's the unlisted, the unindexed internet or the unindexed amount of information that's available out there that is the the deep web, right? There's deep web, dark web. I think the dark web itself is actually pretty, pretty small. Uh, I think whenever you talk to folks, it, it's hard to navigate around there. You've kind of got to know where you're going. There's a lot of trust related to it. Uh, so I think it's, for me, it's vastly overstated. Uh, but, you know, I'm not, I, I wouldn't portray, I wouldn't present myself as a dark web expert, but I, I don't think I'm an expert in anything, but I've been been around a little bit. Yeah. So, well, then if, if the dark web is smaller, you know, kind of as I, as I suspected it is, you know, if, if bad guys or cyber threat actors are hiding on the dark web or conducting their operations on the dark web and it's small, I mean, is it, is there, is it easier to, to track or to, to do, you know, reconnaissance or whatever on those type of operations or those operators? You know, I think for me, uh, and again, not speaking too, too much in detail on law enforcement efforts, but there are so yeah. many actors uh, that are white hat actors that are out in the dark web in these forums. Uh, it would be re- I would be really anxious if I was conducting a lot of dark business on the dark web. 
uh, because of the amount of law enforcement presence that's there. And that's just not law enforcement from the U.S. That's law enforcement from all over the world. You know, I mean, you could have the Canadian actor out there, the French actor out there, the German actor out there, all working to collect information on the dark web. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it, it probably is a good place for, for criminals to get together and to, to share their wares. Certainly, uh, Tor gives them a lot of anonymity that they wouldn't have on the on the surface web and allows them to put up those storefronts where they're selling weapons or drugs or other services that are illegal. I was going to say technically mm-hmm. illegal, but I guess that's illegal, illegal. Uh, and so <laughs> it does give them a certain amount of opportunity, but, you know, much like a street deal that's going on in an open air drug market. Yeah. 90% of the people there may be, may be, you know, fellow traveler criminals, but you're also going to have a, a certain amount of law enforcement or security servants service present in those environments. Yeah. So, so staying on the dark web, uh, topic. I know one thing that you are quite an expert on, and even though you may be humble about it, is insider threat and detecting insider threats and handling, you know, complete insider threat programs. Um, one of the things that I think of when I think of dark web and insider threat is is using the dark web to understand if some of your intellectual property or mm-hmm. you know whatever is for sale on the dark web, right? I mean, if that's where you find out about it instead of reading about it in the news, uh, if you're running a program. So can you kind of talk about, um, you know, I guess best practices or how mm-hmm. insider threat programs might, might look? Cause, and I just want to preface that for people who are in chat who might not know this, like insider threat is like one of those controls that we always talk about. And it's always really awkward to implement because you think of it as just like telling Jan in accounting that you, you got your eye on her, uh, which, which sows distrust amongst the, 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 uh, organization. But I think if you do it well, it's, it's not like that. So can you enlighten us? Yeah, gosh, there's a lot to unpack in that question. So let me, let me talk about it a couple different ways. Mm-hmm. One, there are quite a few uh, companies that are out there that offer services for dark web scraping, you know, uh, surfing the dark web, looking for information, IP or credentials that are, you know, included in breach data sets that are available on the dark web. Services are, very, you know, and I'd be happy to I'll put a plug in for a buddy of mine, uh, uh, Cyber Team 6, uh, my boy Patrick. He and I inter- interned at the Bureau together a million years ago, uh, oddly enough. Great company, great product that they've got to go out there and scrape and find things that are available on the dark web. High praise. Uh, so, so one, you know, breach data when you have, okay, let's say Amazon gets hacked and now all the, you know, the, the, the user IDs and passwords are available for sale on the dark web. You want to be looking at that. Two, uh, if your information has been stolen and it's for sale on the dark web, you want to know about that. You want to be able to crawl the dark web or, or have one of these bots that crawl the dark web for you to find Keyword searching, you know, let's say you'd want to look for simply cyber and confidential or whatever your search criteria is to see if information that has been stolen from you is available there. And then the third piece I think that's really interesting is the way that these criminal groups are, I don't want to say unionizing because that is sort of giving that conception of organization, uh, but they are they've got their own specialty. Right. So maybe I'm the person who socially engineers someone and gets the credentials. And now I'll sell those credentials. Maybe I don't want to hack simply cyber. Maybe I just, you know, I, I, I my, my role in the, the crime is to social engineer you to get your credentials. Then I'm going to sell those to someone who's going to use them. Conversely, or, you know, secondarily, you know, maybe someone else, they, they have exploits for sale. They don't want to use the exploit, but they've got an exploit for sale. So the dark web provides a forum for criminals to get together and to bring their individual skill set together to form you know, or to service that ultimate actor who wants to steal the information from Simply Cyber, 
Well, now instead of having to do it lock, stock, and barrel, where I have to socially engineer you, I have to develop the tool, I have to do it all, I can outsource that. You know, one guy's going to do this, I'm going to buy the tool from here, and I just want to send the payload in the direction I want to send it down. So it's really uh, it's a it's a kind of an interesting place where people come together and 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 ply their wares, if you will, the Star Wars cantina of the internet, uh, if you will. Yeah, well, I mean, it really is capitalism at its finest, right? Like, <laughs> like I'm really good at socially engineering, so I'm going to you know uh, hang a shingle and start selling that skill set uh, effectively. Yeah. So. I mean, do you, do you get any budget? Like, so you just said, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's something for sale. Right. And right. I mean, you can't, it could just be some jerk saying, Oh, I've got, uh, you know, simply cyber source code yep. uh, for sale. So, I mean, do you like, is it realistic to have budget? I mean, or, or do you ask the threat actor for a sample because you don't, you want some, some assurance that what you're buying is legit, but in reality, you're just validating that they have your data. Uh, so Often and again, I I don't have a tremendous amount of experience in this because I feel like a lot of times it's talked about, but the actual actualization of it, of working mm -hmm. for a company whose information is for sale on the dark net, I think is a lot less uh, prevalent than what you would imagine. You know, mm -hmm. we certainly engage with more contractors in in my experience, and again, I won't get into details, who have looked for that type of information, and when you tend to find it, it's onesies, twosies, a file here, a file there. So it's a lot less than a lot less. Uh, I guess prevalent than what you would imagine. And and I, I let me circle back. I just remembered something you said earlier that I thought was funny. You said, well, if your confidential information has been stolen, chances are it's going to show up on the dark web for sale, not on the surface internet. Mm -hmm. Ironically enough, uh, yes, maybe not. I mean, there's a lot of information that gets dumped on the dark or on the open internet, you know, that turns out in the media leaks. These are WikiLeaks. These are all these leaks that come out on the internet. And uh, I would say that, that that's a almost as prevalent, if not more prevalent than the dark web information getting stolen. Yeah. It's leaked out on the open net. You just got to make a, like write a little script that crawls paste bin and looks, looks for dumps, right? Well, you know, again, I mean, even, you know, uh, uh, writing scripts or engaging with contractors who do surface web searching, looking for information or looking for, for information that is open on the private web may not be posted on the private web, but has, you know, things that are open that you can find. And certainly I, I've, I'm familiar with examples of that where we found, information we don't want available on the open net that people have found that that isn't necessarily posted, but it's available because someone doesn't have the right configurations on their server or the right mm -hmm. configurations on their, you know, their, their, their settings. Yeah. So do you, I mean, do you have a, do you happen to have an example of a kind of a, a situation that was almost comical or, or, you know, interesting on having found something? Uh, you know, that or that you may be able to share. I guess there, yeah. there's a lot of confidentiality hurdles to jump through there. Yeah, you know. So I'll give you an example. And and like real life, right? Real life never tends to be as sexy or as interesting as as the movies. So mm -hmm. here's real life, right? And I'm not going to get into specifics about where, or when, or how, or whatever. But let's just let's just say. So we had a contractor that was doing open was doing searching for us, and found confidential documents that were available online. Okay, well, where do these documents come from? So you do a little bit of, you do a little bit of research, and you find okay, they're connected to this IP. Well, who's this IP? Well, this IP is a supplier, but it's not a prime; it's a sub, but it's a sub of a sub, of a prime. So it's one of these things when you start looking at your supply chain. And you look at and this is going to be a little bit of a wide-ranging answer, but when you look at your supply chain, oftentimes if you've got a really good supply chain security program, you're looking at your your primes, your prime suppliers but you're not necessarily looking at the sub suppliers or their supplier suppliers. 
And it might be that your recs or your, your confidential information is being passed down through those who all have mutual NDAs because they need to support it. And, and your data pops out on the end and you said, how in the world did it get four steps removed from me? It's all legitimate. Yeah. It's all being used appropriately, but you, you have no idea what's, you know, where, where your, where your gaps are out there. Yeah. Just, just for, for chat somewhere, Neil Bridges is rolling, rolling around talking about third-party risk management. He, he trashes <laughs> third-party risk management, but this is what it is. This is yeah. what we're talking about here. So, so, um, okay. So as far as insider threat though goes, like what, what are some other kind of, I guess, realistic things of insider threat that could be done that isn't just keeping like putting a keylogger or a, a spyware on your employees' computers. Now, look, uh, keyloggers and spyware sounds really nasty. I yeah. like to think of it in terms of continuous evaluation. You know, you okay. continually monitor user activity to look for activity that is, you know, violations of policy or violations of of norms. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, hey, we all you get hired in, you've got acceptable use practices on your computer. And, you know, we can all agree, probably shouldn't be using your work computer for child pornography. Oh we God. could argue whether or not we use it for real pornography or for, you know, appropriate, if there's appropriate pornography. I think there probably is. Uh, but wh where's that bridge, right? I mean, you can use your computer to process confidential information. You can't use your computer to, to send that confidential information off network. So I think we could all agree that, you know, continuous evaluation of someone's network activity to find policy deviations is righteous. <laughs> Definitely not spyware, definitely not keystroke loggers. Uh, so when I look at insider threat, I'm looking for indications of data movement, data loss. I don't care who you're dating. I don't care where you're going to, to, to get your lunch. I don't care any of that stuff. I'm looking very specifically about who is mishandling, whether maliciously because they're stealing it or stupidly because they're trying to circumvent some kind of procedure for a work purpose, uh, but is, is unnecessarily putting our data at risk. So that's that's what I look like. That's what I look at for my network monitoring tools. But I'll tell you, that's just one. That's just one piece. Right. A good, comprehensive insider threat program. I like to say it manages the life cycle of an employee from an insider threat perspective. And that's everything from before they're hired, doing enhanced vetting on people that are coming into sensitive positions. Uh, there was a case famously out of oh, it was the southeast where someone was arrested for embezzlement. Uh, you know, she'd been hired on this company. She embezzled. And the question was, gosh, how could we have seen this company? How could we have seen this coming? Three years before, she'd been fired from her previous job for embezzlement. And it was one of those things they hadn't done their due diligence. They hadn't even done a basic background check to look at her criminal history. That why would you bring someone in to handle money when they previously been fired for mishandling money? So enhanced background checks before they get on board. Training and awareness. We've talked about this before. That is my big, big, big thing. Highest ROI uh, is training and awareness. Help people understand their obligations, help people understand what we need them to do to protect information, help them understand the threats that are out there. Then sometimes when you're talking about the threats, it, it, it's 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 not made up. I mean, there are really legitimate external actors that are trying to compromise you. Uh, and we can talk a little bit about that recent press report, I think, that we talked about about Amazon, you know, disclosing that there had been uh, uh, external actors that were bribing, basically bribing their insiders to facilitate access to their network. That's a real thing. It happens. And we can unpack that as well. So pre-employment screening, training from day one, continuous training throughout the life cycle, training, uh, continuous evaluation, you know, looking for anomalies on the network. And then at the end, uh, you know, secure offboarding, helping someone understand their obligations to protect confidential information after they're 
uh, term of employment ends, being there to serve as a resource. Can you take this? Can you not take that? And then honestly, knowing when someone's leaving and taking a look back, the vast majority of information theft occurs in the last 90 days of employment. It's mm -hmm. not rocket science. If I know you're leaving, I'm going to take a quick look at your network activity going back to see what you've taken. And everybody takes something. Sometimes it's just good old, you know, it's just your contact list or sometimes it's just your W-2 or your, your, your tax statement or whatever. Uh, but everybody, everybody takes something. And, and the one, the people that have packed a go bag full of information before they leave, oh, it just, it just jumps out at you. It just jumps out. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, I mean, that's really uh, a, a high level, you know, my pillars of a good insider threat program. Yeah. So, you know, I see, uh, I see chat here mentioning some stuff, you know, um, I see a lot of organizations. Let, let, okay, so let's let's do this. Mohammed says a lot of smaller organizations don't do that. I agree. Uh, there's, I feel like there's a certain level of trust at smaller organizations because it's like, oh, it's the ten of us or whatever. At medium-sized organizations, I feel like they do a good job of initial vetting, but there's never any reevaluation or recurring or or anything uh, after you've got the job, and and then of course you you pick up a bunch of access as you, you know, move through the, your job at the place. Now, BSEC asks a question that I really want your yep. thoughts on here. You know, who, who should do this enhanced vetting that you're yep. talking about? Yeah, that, that, that is a great question. And, and again, it depends on your, the culture of your company. It depends on your legal framework. You know, the key stakeholders you want involved are employment legal, are recruiting, are HR, are all those key stakeholders. Cause you need to know when people are coming in, you need to have a, uh, uh, an opportunity to do something with it ahead of time. My perspective would be, it's got to be someone in your uh, information security organization. I And again, I'm, I'm a little biased, of course, because of my background, but someone who knows what they're looking for from the perspective of, is this someone being seeded into a company to steal information? Is this someone who you know has indications uh, that perhaps they're not going to handle confidential information? And I've seen everything from job applicants who have previously posted confidential information from their previous employment online. Mm -hmm. I've seen people who, I mean, you know, and again, it's not, it's what I love about this. It's not rocket science, right? I've seen other things that, you know, really give you that indication that, that they come from uh, universities of concern or they come from programs of concern or they come from direct competitors and have a, have a track record of moving in and out of a competitor into other companies and then going back to the competitor. So for me, uh, and the reason why I say security, not HR, not recruiting, not not that is because you don't have a dog in the fight. Right. Your whole mission in doing that recruiting or doing that uh, uh, enhanced evaluation is just that is and you're not necessarily providing recommendations. You're just identifying facts and providing assessment, you know, and I would recommend ranking them, you know, very low, low, medium, high, very high risk. And hey, maybe they're one of five people in the world that have a specific skill. And even if they have high risk factors, you're going to hire them anyway. Or mm -hmm. maybe they have very low risk factors, but they're one of a million. I mean, you could anybody can do that job. And if they have any risk factors, you don't hire them. Either way, it doesn't matter. You don't have a dog in the fight. Your job is to just objectively take a look at the risk factors and present that. And it, and for me, it's it's presenting the whole picture of the employee or the uh, the candidate to HR and recruiting so that they know, yeah, he's a great coder, but he's stolen from his last three jobs. I think my favorite one I ever did, and I, I do this – you know, I'll just put a plug in for myself. Uh, I do a little bit of this background work for folks as needed now in my current current life. Uh, but one of my favorite ones was uh, it did a background check and found a guy that had previously been indicted for trade secrets theft at another at another company. And again, I'm not a big thinker, but, you know, we call that an indicator in the business. 
Uh, so those kind of things that, that, that are so obvious that if you don't catch them at the beginning, in retrospect, you look foolish. And, and frankly, yeah. it's inexcusable. So, okay. So I, I'm curious now, it seems very Boolean to be like, don't hire this person or, you know, they're one of five people in the world, as you said, uh, but they were indicted for trade theft secret or, you know, so, but we're still going to hire them. I mean, is it, is, is that a large enterprise? Um, I mean, would they go as far as to say, okay, we're going to hire uh, Todd, even though he's been indicted, but let's put additional access controls around Todd, or let's give Todd a hardened machine that really only allows Todd to do this. Like, is there like, do, is it realistic that people would invest the time, money, and resources in order to compartmentalize this Todd that we're talking about? I honestly, I don't think so. I mean, you can't bring Todd on board with an asterisk. You yeah. know, and maybe if, if Todd is going into a sensitive program, maybe you're already going to have enhanced continuous evaluation of employees in that position. But but to bring Todd on board with that asterisk, I feel like wouldn't be fair to Todd. And and this was one of those things, you know, and again, I'm you know, big boy rules. Right. If you're the hiring manager, you have to take that risk on. You've got to make that call. You've got to balance off all the different all the different requirements. And so mm -hmm. for me, if you've got concerns about Todd, I wouldn't bring him on. Uh, yeah. Or if you do bring them on with the recognition or the eyes wide open of, you know, maybe there's there, maybe there's an issue here. Todd didn't not Todd Jones, not you, Todd Jones. He didn't do it. It wasn't him. Todd got him. Todd Jones. <laughs> so Muhammad wants to know, yeah. you know, how, how do you perform employee vetting, uh, especially with remote workers, yeah. right? Overseas workers. This is this is really the new norm, too. So yeah. how has how this wrinkle um, yeah. affected what you're talking about? Muhammad, that's a great question. And for me, uh, this enhanced screening doesn't necessarily include interviews. All I'm looking for is data, right? I want to see what do you look like online? You know, where were your previous employers? What's your social media look like? Are there any flags in any of that? Uh, and again, another one I'll say, and it sounds a little bit obvious, but you'd be shocked at what you see. You know, I was doing a background check on, on, on a candidate at one point and they had literally posted on their social media, gosh, I really hope I don't share anything confidential. I had to sign an NDA and it's going to be really hard for me. Well, no, it's not. <laughs> I'm going to make your life really easy. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, just, just checking out, you know, and if you're coming from overseas, yes. If you don't speak the language, if you don't, if you're not familiar with the culture, uh, you know, it, it can be a little more complicated, but at the same time uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's possible, I think. But I also think, and it's, it's a good, another good point, Mohammed, is you want to be really clear with people about the capabilities and about the possibilities, right? Someone coming from an area that you're not familiar with, that you don't speak the language, you don't have information about the culture, it may be, it may be more difficult to get meaningful results, but, you know, you do what you can. Yeah. So final question on insider threat. Um, you, you had just said it's, you know, it's known the last 90 days is when the, uh, the collection period occurs. I mean, do you have, uh, like telemetry or, you know, like we could use a, like a SIM tool to mm -hmm. be able to notice like, oh, large amounts of files being copied yeah. off or all the network drives are being accessed by this person. Um, do you, do you set like alerts or, or, you know, kind of rules to, to detect that? Because you say 90 days, but like most people you know, give two week notice, like maybe if you're, you know, in a good, a good person or whatever, you might give four weeks, but no one's giving a 90 day notice. So, you know, no, they're not, they're, they're not giving 90 day notice, but what they are doing. And if you've got a, um, 
user activity monitoring system. And there's a lot of systems out there, a lot of platforms out there that give you this functionality. You can start to look at web traffic. You can see things like, oh, he's going to an internal mobility site in retrospect, right? You're not going to see it in real time because there's too much noise. But let's, okay, so now I know that Gerald is, he, he just put his two weeks notice in. All right. Let me dial up the magic Wurlitzer here and see what it shows. Well, it showed 90 days ago he started looking at Indeed and Glassdoor, and he looked at internal mobility. Okay, so the guy's got – he's unhappy in his current job. Great. Now he's reaching out to a competitor. Now he's going to their website. Now he's looking at, you know, submitting a resume. Okay? And and it's in that period of time where you're starting to get conditional offer and theft mm-hmm. before two weeks' notice. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's – I always say, you know, you're packing your information go bag. Right. So as soon as you know, particularly if you know that your company's got a really robust internal security program or insider threat program that, you know, if you're going to a competitor, if you're going to someone like that where your access may be cut. Well, chances are you've already done all the stealing you want to do ahead of time. Yeah. So, so, yeah, yeah, please go ahead. Please go. No, no, no. no, That's that's good. I I was going to say final question, but really as a follow up to that. um, Jess, that's Jess. Spot on, man. Good call. What is she saying? This one? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There, there you go. It's it's I mean, it's look, it's real. P- people are real. People are human. People will do the best in their own interest every time. You know. And I'm gonna I'm gonna absolutely quote Tony Robbins here, and that is happy people don't hurt people. So if you've mm-hmm. got a pardon my French, if you've got a shitty work culture or a toxic culture where people are constantly leaving or being forced out or always having to be concerned about their jobs, you are going to have data loss. There is no if there's not loyalty down, there's certainly not going to be loyalty up. And so that's exactly it. And, and I, it's always a funky one for me because it's not technically for me, it's not technically part of insider threat, but workplace health, mental health, you know, communication in the environment is huge, is huge. You're not the one as an insider threat practitioner necessarily to solve it, but you certainly support HR and you certainly support EHS and you certainly support all the other uh, aspects of the company that, that take care of employee well-being. And if you've got a really good company, you don't have these kind of problems. Yeah. Exactly. So, so, but I wanted to ask you, so you, you said, oh, this person's leaving Oh, Let's fire up the Wolitzer. Like to, to what end, what is the objective? Yeah. You like you go look and you see that let's just use me. So we're not, we, yeah. we leave Todd alone. I don't want to upset Todd. So I've already got Todd on enhanced monitoring. That's it. I'm <laughs> so, so you, you pull me up and you see that I, I went to indeed and that I applied to a job, uh, yep. you know, three, three months ago and now all this. So, but I'm I'm out the door, Charles. So what what do you like? What do you care? I mean, are you just trying to assess the impact of the already compromised data, or what? What's the objective? Yeah, great question. So a c- couple of things, and and I didn't answer your question. Uh, uh, you asked me before. There are some of the user activity monitoring systems that allow you to put flags on for certain things, right? So let's just say you're uploading to Google Drive and you shouldn't be. You're moving data into USBs. Well, you're going to get flags for those. And that could kick off an investigative activity there. And it should, frankly. But let's let's assume that you you don't have good tripwires set up and someone hasn't tripped those wires. And now you submit your two weeks. I've got to have a great relationship with my HR department so that two weeks, the day that you submit your notification, they flag it for me. And mm-hmm. so now I've got two weeks. You're still working for two weeks. And you've got to be up on your toes and you've got to run that back and you do that 90-day look. And so now you know, bingo, bango, Todd, because I got him on enhanced monitoring, man, Todd, Todd looted the place. So now what do I do? Well, I have the options of I can conduct an interview. I can snatch his laptop and do I can image it. 
I can decide whether to go to law enforcement. I can decide whether we're going to take legal action against him. At a minimum, I can do that interview with him. I can get his side of the story about why he thought it was okay to take all these things and then have him go through and delete all the information from all the places and then sign an affidavit that says he does not retain any more of this. And then he gets walked out the same day. So yes, you're right in the sense of when data leaves, data's gone, right? You can't have any, you can't, it's tough, right? You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, but you can certainly take steps to let them know that you know and that they sure as sure sugar better have it all deleted. And if not, you're coming after them with law enforcement or legal or whatever the right the right thing to do is. But the vast majority of time, you give them that option to have a conversation. Oh, oh, that. Oh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know I couldn't take that. Oh, you didn't know you couldn't, or you didn't know you get caught. Either way, it's yeah, cool. yeah. I'm, here. I'm here to help you out. I'm here to help keep the honest people honest. And let's just pretend that you're one of those people. Let's just log into your stuff and we're just going to delete it from every place. Cool. Cool. Good. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure you, you didn't know it wasn't okay. That's why you brought in the eight terabyte uh, plug-in hard drive. You know what I mean? And moved, moved all these CAD drawings off or, or the source code yeah. off or what? Yeah. You know, people have all kinds of stories. It's uh, it's amazing. But you know, I was a cop before and it's no different from, I accidentally put that candy bar in my pocket or I accidentally put that camcorder in my backpack. I mean, it's just people are people. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when they get caught. Um, so, you know, cracking me up actually asked an interesting question. Uh, you know, yep. as far as like doing that analysis, what, what if it doesn't reveal the risk of the candidate? You know, that's a great question. And, and I think this is where I was trying to get after this a little bit. You have to be really clear to the hiring managers in the business. It's, it's intelligence, it's assessment. It's not magic. Right. Mm -hmm. I am never going to be able to tell 100 percent if someone's going to come in and steal, because you know what? You could have stolen from your last three jobs and now you've got G you found Jesus and you're not going to steal now. Or you could have been trucking along and everything's great. And now your 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 wife got covid and your mom's sick and you need to pay for whatever. And so now you're going to steal something. It's just one data piece, a data point. And what I always tell people, it is just part of the process. And the process doesn't stop until someone's left the company. As I said, I manage the whole employee life cycle. So, right. So you're doing your best. You're going to miss folks. That's okay. But you're also going to catch folks. So if you can, it's almost like that, uh, that funnel, right? If you're, if you're funneling people out, you know, you're, you're, you're better off than you're not. So it's not, it's not, it's never going to be a hundred percent. And anybody that says it is, is probably fibbing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Spatsik, uh, running red lights here. I, I like it because they looked green. Colorblind. You could be colorblind. Just, amber. You know. It was definitely amber. I, I was, you know, didn't mean to. Uh, yeah. A lot of greens. A lot of greens. So, hey, let, let's uh, let's pivot uh, to uh, crypto scams because I know I, I, I wanted, like selfishly, I wanted to know more about crypto scams. We hear about... Um, People's wallets getting stolen right now. You know, I, I'd be interested if chat, like if you guys are getting into this crypto game, like Shiba Inu is exploding. Now there's like, um, like zoo tokens, like NFT space. Like there's just like the crypto space is like out of control, uh, but people are getting their crap stolen because they're not securing it. So, you know, what is going on there, Charles? And like, is there any, is there anything that we should be aware of or, or, or look into? You know, it's, it's interesting because it's a little bit of everything. Part of it's a cybersecurity issue, and that's all the stuff that you're familiar with, right? Lock your passwords down, uh, not mishandling your keys, things like that, okay? But the other piece about it is the social engineering. You know, for me, there's hacking and stealing, and then there's scams. There are people that convince you to willingly give you their money because you're ignorant, you're uninformed, you're greedy, 
you could be uh, uh, in love with this person that you met on Tinder. And now they're saying, you know, gosh, I, I work at this company. You know, we do binary options trading and mining and, and Forex trading and all these complicated terms. It doesn't really mean anything that people are like, well, that sounds great. I just know people are getting rich in Bitcoin. I should, too. Well, hey, you know, I mean, I can't really do it for you, but I will just because I like you because we're on Tinder together. And, you know, I like you. So just send me that 5000 and I'll turn it into 10000 next week. I mean, that that honestly, that those kind of scams, that, that's what we're seeing. People that are greedy, people that don't pay it, that don't, they're ignorant and they're trying to uh, take shortcuts. And there's so, mm -hmm. so much of the space right now is so new and, and confusing. And, and you know, we can talk about NFTs and we can talk about CryptoKitties back in the day and all these other DeFi and staking and all this stuff that people are trying to convince you that you can do to make money. That, mm -hmm. you know, if it's too good to be, it's, but, but none of this has changed. None of this has changed. I mean, these are the same Ponzi scheme grifters. I saw a Madoff reference earlier. This is the same garbage. It's the same garbage. And it's the same techniques of social engineering. It's kind of like if you've heard me say, you know, uh, uh, cybersecurity is is all about humans. You know, because a lot of it, when you find it, right, it's, it's someone who's been social engineered to click on that link. It's someone who's not set up the router right. It's someone, there's always a human behind it. It's not really force on force. It's usually that force on force, but water finds its way around it. And, and that's same with the scams. Yeah. So, I mean, would that apply to NFTs as well? I, I, I see, uh, you know, Omni mentioning NFTs in here too. I mean, I, I think of NFTs as just a file, uh, frankly. I mean, it's more, more hash than anything else. So, I mean, is it really just protecting it the same way you'd protect anything else? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And NFTs to me, I still am a little bit mystified by it. Um, I guess I understand why people would be interested in it, I guess. Uh, I mean, heck, I collected baseball cards when I was a kid, but I could see the baseball card. I could put it in my notebook. I could take a look yeah. at it. I could trade it. I, I, it was, it was, it was tangible. You know, yeah. this, hey, you can buy a second of a, of a clip of an NBA game and that's your NFT forever. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I guess, I I'm struggling with it a little bit. For me, it's crypto kitties. Yeah, I, I don't get the uh, I don't get the like buying the one second of the game. That doesn't make sense. Like buying the 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 uh, the non fungible token, spastic. It's non fungible token NFT. Yeah, Sorry. yeah. It, it, no, it's perfect. Yeah, and basically NF. I, I probably should have said this right. So NFTs are basically um, you know cryptographically thumbprinted or you know fingerprinted uh, pieces of digital data, right? So it's like having like, uh, if you, if you Google crypto punks, I might even bring it up on a share screen in a second. If you Google crypto punks, that's like one of the biggest NFTs that I've seen. Charles, people are selling crypto punks for like, like four or $5 million per crypto punk. And it's like, it's like a 64 by 64 bit pix pixelated eight bit graphic. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's crazy. Dude, but, this uh, is, this is what I'm talking about. It's nutty. What, what in the hell are you paying money for? I mean, again, for me, it's it's a little bit of uh, it's momentum. It's greed. It's I'm going to buy this NFT because I think it's going to be worth more later. The people who are killing it are the Tom Brady's of the world who are like, no, it's cool, man. I'm just going to sell NFTs. Yeah, pay, pay me a million for this one and a half million for that one. And I, I mean, hey, don't hate to don't hate to play or hate the game. I completely get it. I get why they're selling them. But the people that are buying them love you guys. But, man, I don't I'm not seeing it. Uh, I'm the yeah. investment. Good question there before it runs away. Uh, yes, there are specific companies that go after crypto hackers and try to track them down. And once they find them, bring them to justice. Yes. Uh, there's a great company. As a matter of fact, uh, that's that's the I left. Uh, I left my last company as an employee, and that's what my company does. 
uh, we hunt down people that are conducting scams. We collect their information. Uh, we burn down their infrastructure and take them to law enforcement. Oh, hold on. I, I want to share something with the group, but I do want to get into that because that sounds, uh, you know, like juicy. Like that's like a, I can smell that kind of stuff. Yeah. Here, check this out. So I don't know if anyone heard this, but like this, this was in the news the other day and it was definitely the most outrageous thing. So hopefully you guys have heard of Squid Game. It's like this wicked popular show on Netflix. So maybe two weeks ago, right? You can see this, the date on this is November 2nd. So I guess maybe three, four weeks ago, someone stood up a Squid Game cryptocurrency and sold like three or $4 million worth of it. And then they took all the money and closed the exchange, like just closed it. Like it never was a thing. It was just people were like, ah, Squid Game, gotta get it, gotta get it. And uh, there you go. Again, it, for me, it's really hard for me to be sympathetic for people that fall for these scams because this is oil wells in Oklahoma. This mm -hmm. is buy a share in the company that's trying to find the Titanic. This is, I mean, these scams are as old as, as, as old as time, but the difference is right now with squid game. And it was, a, it was a big thing in the ICO craze in 2017, 2018, people are creating these tokens that have no value that have no utility. Their only utility is to generate income and revenue for the people that created them. And the yeah. really scammy ones like this one, they just pull the plug. Money's gone. Peace out. One of my favorite stories about this is, um, yeah, spastic. Stick with the big ones. Uh, stick with the big ones. You'll be fine. One of my favorite stories about this, the North Koreans, and, and if you ever catch me in person or if we ever want to talk about, you know, North Koreans, uh, North Koreans literally created an ICO just for this reason to generate revenue for the regime. They created an ICO that they were going to sell fraudulently to make money for the regime. They were going to pull the plug. This stuff is out there, man. It is out there. People are doing this all the time. Uh, so, no, Squid Game, not surprised at all. There's always been tokens that have popped up that have captured whatever uh, imagination is going on. I'm, I'm surprised there's not a Yellowstone token. Yeah, I'm surprised there's not a uh, Harry Potter token. I don't know whatever's whatever's popular right now. That that is that is interesting. That you know, I mean, and how can you really? Is there any? Because crypto is like wildly unregulated. Is there any uh, recourse for the victims of that Squid Game scam? It depends, right? It depends on can you find the parties behind it? Hmm. What jurisdiction are they located in? You know, I mean, if this is some dude sitting in his home in Poughkeepsie that's running the scam and we're able to find them. Absolutely. If this is somebody sitting in Pyongyang, who's doing it to make money, probably not going to be able to do anything with it. Uh, yeah. So, you know, and, and you've got to have enough, what's the right way to say it? you've got to have enough victims to get the right type of, Oh, it'd have to be a rip coin, by the way, if you're going to make a Yellowstone token, it's got to be a rip coin. Cause that's <laughs> badass. Uh so I, I don't know. I don't know if people are tracking these people down. Occasionally, if there's an easy win, we'll do it. But it's hard. Yeah. Well, I can I can imagine. I mean, it's hard enough now to 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 recover ransomware money. You know what I mean? Like, let, yep. let alone someone who just like vanishes in the middle of the dark. Yep. Um. So so just to like I guess circle back to what you were talking about with with your current company and how mm -hmm. you basically find bad guys who do bad stuff and then you burn down their infrastructure. Can you can you kind of walk us through that or tell us a share a story of one such example i'll tell you about one from this morning okay there uh, you go <laughs> so my company black hand solutions we've got clients that are large companies 
whose name, image, and likeness is being used to target potential or future or potential or current customers, right? So I absolutely stole that term, name, image, and likeness from the C, uh, NCAA, uh, but it makes a lot of sense, right? It's I'm using sim simply cyber's branding. I'm claiming that I'm Gerald Auger, uh, and I'm I'm going out and I'm targeting people. Mm -hmm. uh, so. Oftentimes, we do both reactive and proactive investigations. Reactive is you get a victim report in that says, hey, I lost or, or you know, hey, I gave you $10,000 and you said you would double it in a month. Where's my money? And they're like, what in the world are you talking about? Uh, and that's reactive. Proactively, we go out and hunt uh, in the social media channels for people that are using that name, image, and likeness to conduct these, these scams. And we go out with a victim por por uh, persona. And uh, we go out and we elicit, we basically socially engineer the people that are trying to socially engineer people for scams. And we're a bunch of former spies and JSOC operators and people with backgrounds like mine that, that have a good time doing this. Uh, not least of which, because these guys are horrible, despicable people that would steal money uh, from folks. Then we're able to collect their information, their uh, websites and phone numbers and emails and bank accounts and crypto wallets. Uh, and then we burn that, burn it down. Uh, go to law enforcement if we can, but most of the folks are coming out of Africa or India or Eastern Europe and places where we can't get. And so we just burn down the infrastructure with the whole goal being when we first start with a client, it's really easy. You do a little bit of light searching. You find 10 different scams that are obvious and that may have they're multi-layered, right? They've got a LinkedIn page. They've got a website. They've got a Telegram channel. They've got a Facebook page because no one's out there hunting. them. And so once we've once we've went through and we've burned them all down, well, now the scams start to look a lot more like scams. Like, oh, I'm uh, we're just communicating on Telegram because my website's under construction and, oh, I don't have this and I don't have that. Great. It looks a lot more like a scam. Uh, well, that's that's what we do. We like to clear those folks out. And again, it some people say, well, it feels a little whack-a-mole. Like, are you ever going to make these people stop scamming? No. No. We're just going to make it harder for them. We're going to raise the cost a little bit if mm -hmm. we can. Yeah, so I, no, I, and that, and that's really, I mean, that is the goal. Like, have them, uh, you know, go after an easier, softer target, or or just get out of the game because it's too expensive for them to maintain their their infrastructure, for lack of a better term. So interestingly, uh, and again, I'm not going to get too much into our tradecraft because it's fairly specific and and uh, it's a hell of a lot of fun. But there was one occasion where I had a South African that was recruiting me to participate in his scam. He was going to mentor me and show me how to conduct his scam. He was giving me his contacts that would give me the scripts and that would uh, set up the websites for me and, and all of that. And all of that had a cost. So, you know, what I saw, look, if you can tear down somebody's website, if you can tear down their infrastructure, there's a cost to that. Even if it's just the time that it takes to get a new burner phone and to set up a new bank account or to set up new crypto wallets or something like that. It takes time. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, that's it's 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 a lot of fun and it's really, uh, really rewarding. Victim interviews are the worst. Hearing good people yeah. talking about, you know, just being crushed because they've lost real money. Uh, and that's it's it's horrible, but it, it kind of motivates me to do what I do. And I'll share another one for you. You know, I, I get motivated by this. My mom at one point uh, lost money, was scammed by folks that had done the whole, hey, your computer's running slow. Uh, give us your credit card and we'll, we'll make it, we'll speed it up. Mm -hmm. And uh, I happened to be back in from overseas at that time, hanging out with my mom in the kitchen. She said, I said, Hey, I'm going to check my email. She goes, Oh, don't use the computer. Uh, it, it's getting fixed. What are you, what are you talking about? So I walk in there and sure enough, she had access, you know, she, she'd enabled a remote access tool on it and the 
they're cleaning up her computer. Well, they were on a Western Union website from her computer and were just sending transactions out using her credit card. And so I just like cut it off and talked to them. And the only difference between mess with a guy like me and I called my buddies from the Indian Internal Bureau to track these guys down, you know, because you don't pick on somebody else. Yeah. Uh, but that kind of stuff, man, chaps my rear end because, you know, I mean, come on. It's my mom. Uh, my dad had one the other day. This dude, that happened several years ago, last uh, two weeks ago. My dad got a call that said, hey, this is so-and-so, my nephew, uh, my sister's kid. I got a car accident last night. I'm in jail. Don't tell my mom. Uh, can you help bail me out? And my dad, who's senile, not senile, he's, you know, he's got some mentation issues, I guess is the technical term for saying he's not quite all there anymore. He's getting out his credit card. God bless my mom over here and it's saying, what are you doing? Yeah. And, and so it's crap like that that just fires me up. And I love, I love this scam uh, working against these scammers. Love it, love it, love it. And I love being able to take some of my background, my experiences, my tools, uh, a little bit of my mean spirit sometimes, and, uh, and just spike, uh, spike these guys that are hurting uh, good folks. I love it. I love the righteousness of it. And I love the, uh, the, you know, you should have like a Netflix TV show, maybe two seasons. You know, the first season's really the really involved in what you're doing. And the second season, maybe like romantic interest or something. I, I, I don't know yet, Charles, but uh, there are a lot of people in chat here want to want to be an intern at your company. I'm telling you that you could see it. You could see it in chat. You know, so, I, I'll be honest with you. In all seriousness, I am hiring uh, because there's such a big work for this. Uh, and so anyone who's interested, hit me up on LinkedIn, uh, DM me. Uh, I'm definitely taking interns uh, and I'm definitely looking for folks that can do a little bit of work on the side. There you go. I just used my Nightbot, like exclamation point guest. I, ha I have like a mod bot that does things that I barely ever use. But there you go. There's Charles Finfrock's LinkedIn information, at least for the YouTube people. Um, Charles, let's let's do a giveaway. And then we're going to, while that's queuing up, we'll do five questions uh, segment, which is everybody's uh, favorite part. It's a new thing that I've introduced since the last time you were on. So let's let's do the uh, giveaway. Uh, everybody, the giveaway code is going to be, let me see, here it is. It's hashtag the squad. So if you put hashtag the squad in chat, you will enter the raffle. We've actually, uh, Josh Mason and Cyber Supply Drop bring in real heat uh, this week. We've got five prizes to give away um, as soon as I find them here. Four of them are uh, one month Try Hack Me Premium. So, I mean, if you're doing Advent of Christmas with Try Hack Me, you know how awesome that platform is. Uh, you can get premium access, the whole works for um, a full month uh, for free. And then he's also giving away, uh, or we're giving away, um, a, I think, a lifetime subscription to this website I'm not familiar with, like cantrill.io. Uh, but it's basically going to train you how to be an AWS architect. I can't promise that the person who wins that one is is it's going to align with your professional interests, but uh, we're giving stuff away. So uh, thanks to Josh and the whole team over at Cyber Supply Drop. Okay, let me while that queues up, uh, Charles and chat. Let us let us do our five questions segment. Okay, so Charles, the way five questions work is I have uh, I have some buzzer options. I'm going to ask you five questions and try to keep your uh, responses to like a minute. If there's time, I'll give kind of my answer to the same question. Uh, but the buzzer option kind of signifies time to move on. All right. So Roger. Here, here are our buzzer options uh, for this for this week. Um, here we go. So this is number one. Crypto is America. 
All right. Crypto is America. Okay. Here we go. I think uh, next one. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. So obviously Charles is big on crypto. Yep. Dude, are these, these are me. They're you. Oh yeah. Yeah. These are you. Yeah. It's Taylor. This is a custom segment, uh, Charles, just for you. I heard that first one. I'm like, man, that guy's smart. I like I from, from Cincinnati to Beijing. going to take about 18 hours. Yep. We got logistics on how to ship an anvil from Cincinnati to Beijing. Uh, also, we got this one. I was in a really vigorous conversation with a guy named Fluffy Pony. Yep. There we go. Fluffy Pony, always good. And I, I do try to not just throw my guest completely under the bus. So I do have one here for me. Jesus. Oh, like I just need a break from moving this cash. Yeah, that's us talking about moving money from uh, from from one trunk to another and how moving millions of dollars, you would somehow complain about it. Okay. All right. So let's let's hey, get listen, started. That oh, may seem sorry, hold on. I'm a crypto evangelist. Okay, go ahead, Charles. That may seem funny, but I tell you, if you've ever had to throw like five million dollars in the back of a trunk by loading big cardboard boxes, at a certain point, a big heavy cardboard box is a big heavy cardboard box, no matter what it's got in there. <laughs> Did Jerry freeze on us? Or did I freeze? Okay, so I, I guess I'm still live. Okay. I guess we got the show then. <laughs> All right, so cool. So, hey, while we're waiting for Jerry to get back on, uh, shoot me uh, shoot me a question. I'll, t I'll take it while we're waiting for Jerry to jump back on. Whoever said I'm the earlier that said Telegram is where scammers hide out. Absolutely. I don't know why Telegram is such an open, open area for them, but absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. Any other questions in here? There he is. Even while he's getting logged on, I'll answer your question about what do you recommend for. Oh. Do you have me? Do you have audio on me? Gotcha. Perfect. Okay. Of course, I can't hear you. So that's good. So, um, so what happened, all? Hopefully, you guys are all still here. Good. What happened is um, my computer collapsed completely under the sheer weight of Charles' buzzer options. So I don't know what the hell. I don't know what happened, but my computer just went like complete green screen, which I guess maybe that's like the Mac equivalent of a blue screen to death. But that that my machine just went nuclear. OK, but we're back. It looks like nobody left. So thank you uh, for, for that. Um, and I guess let's get into the five questions. Uh, hopefully. Oh, hold on. Let me make sure that the giveaway is still happening. I'm really, uh, really glad that that wasn't a complete train wreck. 
me see. Yep, so we still got 20 entries on the squad and we are gonna do our buzzer options with our questions. Here we go. All right. Okay, ready? Here we go. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. All right. Have you ever suffered? This is a big one in our community, uh, Charles. Have you ever suffered from imposter syndrome? And if so, what was it or when? A absolutely. Look, I, I worked in InfoSec and I, I don't know, shoot from Shinola about, you know, high, high cybersecurity stuff. So I felt like all the time imposter syndrome. Uh, there were other times, you know, when I first left my training facility and when I first started in the world is in the CIA and I'm a 25 year old kid and I go out there and I look somebody in the eye and I say, I will protect your life. If you betray your country, I will protect you. you you're, you're insane if you if you really believe all the stuff that you're saying like that, at least at the beginning. Now, closer to the end, I, I felt very confident in that. But yeah, no, I think all the time. And even right now, I started my own company and I'm trying to figure out all this business stuff. And I mean, with lawyers, I'm talking about QuickBooks and all. Ah, yes, imposter syndrome all the time. Yeah, I, I feel that. Uh, same, same for me. Like as I've kind of go, gone up in my career, up the career ladder, I, I've gotten further away from the keyboard. Uh, and some of those skills are practical hands-on skills that get rusty. And then you feel like a bit of a, a poser, frankly, when you're talking to someone. And it, it's been a while since you did it. But fortunately, in my new role, I do a little bit of everything, which is you know good and bad, frankly. All right. So I was in a really vigorous conversation with a guy named Fluffy Pony. <laughs> Charles, have, have you ever been hacked? Have you ever been hacked? Uh, I don't know. I presume I have. Uh, I was SIM swapped one time. Uh, if you guys are familiar with that, uh, I was, I can remember specifically, I was, you know, picked up my phone, tried to make a call, service was gone. And luckily, because I am so deep into crypto, uh, I, I recognized it for what it was quickly, called AT&T, sure enough. Tracked it all the way down to the store. I had been SIM swapped. There was an insider at AT&T that was selling access to SIM cards, and I was one of them. And I think it happened because one of my contacts, who was also a big crypto person, had been SIM swapped as well. And so I think I was connected to her, and they knew that I was a crypto guy, and so they were trying to go after my crypto wallets on my phone. Oh, wow. All right. No, nothing that nefarious for me going on. M much more. Uh, I've had my credit card pilfered a few times. Uh, I don't know if that qualifies as hacking, but I've had to cancel my credit card, which, by the way, when you live off a credit or like when you live without cash, it, it really is inconvenient without a credit card. You can ship an iron anvil from, from Cincinnati to Beijing. going to take about 18 hours. Yep. Like logistics. That's DHL uh, timetable right there. Uh, Charles, what, what's a risk that you've taken in your life that you're actually happy that you took? Oh, uh, I enlisted in the Navy when I was 17. A lot of a lot of friends of mine stayed right around small town Ohio, farm town Ohio, and I'd have you know stayed around there and enlisted in the Navy. Uh, I joined CIA when everyone thought I, you know, everyone, everyone, my dad thought I was crazy because no one else knew about it. Mm -hmm. uh, I left the government service when people are like, "Are you insane? You're not retired yet. You're, you pension all this stuff." And I left. Uh, I just left Tesla where I had millions of dollars on the table in equity, and I walked away from it to start my own company because I'm passionate about it. And I'm excited about it. Uh, I take risks all the time, man. Love it. I love time. it. I, I do. I, I love it. Uh, I really think you should like maybe maybe there's a place for someone like me on, at your company who just makes YouTube videos of you guys burning down people's infrastructure. There's a whole like genre on YouTube of cam, uh, scam call center scam uh, baiting. So maybe mm -hmm. that's a good thing. As far as me, big risk. Me and my wife um, 
uh, picked up and just moved to uh, the S South Carolina without knowing anyone, without having ever been here, didn't have any social network, nothing, and uh, just moved and, uh, you know, loved it. Never, never looked back. And we're very, very glad that we, we made that leap of faith. Jesus. Oh, like I just need a break from moving this cash. Uh, I wish I had that problem. So, hey, what, what makes you lose track of time? the internet reading and researching, you know, where you just, you, you just get lost in something. And, and I'm one of those people that once I find something I'm interested in, I don't mm -hmm. just read one thing. I read everything. And so I, I don't know yesterday, what, what made me lose track of time. Uh, I was researching how you could mine cryptocurrency with the raspberry Pi because I'm going to try to run a, a training program for a bunch of high school kids. And we wanted to have a takeaway. And I don't know anything about raspberry Pis or crypto mining in that regard. Uh, and so like an hour later, I said, well, I should be getting back to some other work. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, that's it. Oh, and, and scotch. Scotch does too. Scotch, scotch, scotch. I wish I had that as a sound bit right now. Uh, hey, just as an aside, like uh, I just did a couple videos with Raspberry Pis. The, the community, the Simply Cyber community, uh, a, a good portion of them are Raspberry Pi people. Uh, so if, if you want, like, I don't know, maybe we could collaborate on that, on that, um, creating that raspberry pi minor thing that that would be interesting uh i think the community would like it too dude that would be awesome and it's basically it's a it's a week-long training course we're going to do on uh or a week-long summer camp for inner city kids who come out and they do a week on like 3d printing they do a week on autonomous systems and all these things and so yeah i'm going to do a week on crypto with them and we're trying to give them something that they can work on, you know, how to build a computer and all that. So yeah, I, I, I may hit you up on that. That's awesome. Yeah. Let, let's totally do it. Cool. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love, love it, it. Love, love it, it. Love it. That's my favorite one. Ha have you ever been fired? Uh, Charles, have you ever been fired or I gave you this as an out or have you ever quit your job immediately? Like I am out now. So I've never been fired. I, have only quit one job like that. I think maybe sometimes it feels like I've quit jobs precipitously, but usually it's, I've been, you know, planning something for a year. I don't tend mm -hmm. to make big lifetime decisions quickly. Uh, but the job that I literally walked away from, I was in high school. Uh, I took a job as a dishwasher because I didn't want to work in the fields bailing hay. And I mm -hmm. told the manager when I went in, I don't want to work in the fields, coming in here to wash dishes. After four days of washing dishes, Handed over my apron and I said, I'm going back to the fields. I can't stand this. This is the worst. So, yeah, that was the only job I walked away from same day. Couldn't do it. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. I, I had a job that made no sense in college uh, where I was going to be like the guy, like not a bouncer, but like a guy who like checks the IDs at this like incredibly, definitely illegal underground bar. And uh, like the first night I was like no training. They're just like, yeah, you can you can work here. Come on in. And then like, they're like, come back on Saturday night. And then Saturday night came and I showed up like three hours late. So, and I was like, I work here. And they're like, who are you? And I'm like, ah, so like, I, I didn't necessarily quit. I just never went back. It was, it was a very, very confusing experience. Like I, I like I didn't get paid cause I didn't work, but I, I didn't also fill paperwork out either. Charles, I think it was much more of a cash operation. Uh, maybe, maybe like our uh, laundry mat that we talked about, but anyways, that is five questions, uh, with, with Charles Finfrock. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, that's, that's my new ringtone when you text me, Charles. Okay. Let's check in on the, uh, on the, on the, um, um, this thing and let's pick some winners, right? So we've got, uh, four, 
uh, try hack me giveaways and one AWS architect training. And by the way, people, there's only 20 entries right now, which I love uh, it, that you didn't enter if you don't want this prize or you don't need this prize. So you've got a 25% chance of winning. So let's, let's go ahead and do this. Uh, I've got some more sound effects. You ready? Whoops. All right, so Matt P is going to get one of the try hackmes. Let's do it again. Okay. All right, Bill Dargus. All right, let's draw it again. Try hack me. Michelle. All right. Nice job, Michelle. I love it. Here. I Hold on. I love it, love it, love it. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love, love it. it. Okay. All right. So, and then the final winner for the Try Hack Me um, voucher. Daniel Helma. All right. And now for the AWS Architect uh, curriculum uh, through Cantrell. Here we go. All right. Oh, it's Todd Jones. That's perfect. That's perfect, Todd. Todd. Um, so, hey, Charles. I know he's on like enhanced uh, evaluation or whatever. Yeah, enhanced monitoring. But he did win that AWS Architect training. That is legitimate. So, yeah, uh, totally, Todd. Just click on the link when we send it too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, hey, everybody who won, congratulations. Definitely pumped for you. Please just reach out to me through LinkedIn or Discord, and uh, I will. Whoops. I will do that, I guess. I'll, I will um, get you, you know, what you need in order to claim your prize. So, wait, hold on. I just guessed. This is what happens when you try to mod and talk at the same time. Okay. Um, all right. So that does that. Let me check to see if there were any more questions. I know that there was a bunch of questions um, uh, in chat here, but here, I don't know. I don't know. Let's let's do it this way, Charles. What? Let's let's send you off. Final thoughts, like what 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 would you like to uh, share with the community in kind of your final uh, thoughts here? And I I would assume that you will be invited back. This community uh, obviously really enjoys you and loves your stories and your and your uh, good spirit. You know, for me, uh, I'll end where we ended with on cryptocurrency. If you're crypto curious but haven't taken the leap yet, cryptocurrency is much better experienced than explained. Go to Coinbase, go to one of those reputable places, buy some Bitcoin, buy some Ethereum, move it around, get familiar with it. This is going to be a staple of our community going forward, and there's no reason to stay ignorant on it. And if you have any questions, there's a lot of people out there that can help you navigate around. I'm happy to help you navigate around as well. And just because we talk about scams, scams don't equate to cryptocurrency. Scams have been around since the beginning of time. And so while there's a flavor of it because of crypto, because people don't understand it, don't get scared right? Don't get scared. Uh, but if it's too good to be true, probably is. That's it. I, I like it. it. Well, so you just said, um, get some more information, get out there. Like, is there a reputable source that you would recommend someone go to if they have zero clue about any of this, but they want to learn? Yeah. And again, I hate to keep pointing to Coinbase, but if you go to Coinbase, there's tons of good videos, uh, education videos that are out there. And Andres Antonopoulos, 
is an OG in the space, and he's got a lot of really good videos uh, that explain it, you know, very, very clearly. Uh, there's great documentaries out there. There's great books. Bitcoin Billionaires, the story about the Winklevoss twins, really good one. I uh, really enjoy it, and it talks a lot about the evolution of the space. And if you really want to get out there, there's a couple of, you know, conferences and things like that. Go out there and meet the people in real life. Whoa, Nelly. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's next level. Yeah. So those are all some great resources. Thanks, uh, Charles. Let me I'm going to send you to the green room and then I'm just going to uh, pump uh, our next thing right here. Something you might be interested in. Thank you, uh, Charles. And thanks, chat, uh, for being great to Charles. We're definitely going to have you back on uh, for another fireside chat. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Yeah, of course. All right, guys. So I want to just tell you this is something brand new that we're going to be starting um, starting up with the show. We're beta testing it, if you will. This is uh, first things first, and it's basically going to be, um, I I'm doing it tomorrow morning, Friday, um, and I think if it works out well, I'll probably do Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. It's going to be 8 a.m. to 8.30 a.m., and essentially what I'm going to be doing is every, every morning, every weekday morning, I pour, I make a French press, I get a big cup of coffee, it's like 7.58, I walk up to my desk, I turn on uh, cybersecurity headlines podcast. And I sit here and listen to it and drink my coffee. And I reflect on each of the stories about how does this impact me or, Oh, that's just interesting. That's good threat Intel. And I do it every day. And I, you know, I tell people in the space all the time, like it's very important in our industry to stay informed and stay current. And, you know, maybe you're watching simply cyber to do just that, but these, this is how I do it. it. These headlines are very, very valuable and very important. So my idea is that I'll turn the camera on. I'll engage and facilitate discussion with you guys in chat for 30 minutes. We'll get our daily briefing. We'll share knowledge. I'll provide, you know, some context on how I'm understanding the particular news stories and we'll have a good time. And like I said, You've been listening to Simply Cyber with me, Dr. Gerald Dozier. I invite you to check out Simply Cyber YouTube channel for richer content, links, and live stream engagement. You can find hundreds of free cybersecurity training resources that I've curated at simplycyber.io. Talk to you next time.